Welcome to Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care, an educational podcast for individuals needing long-term care and their families. Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care is a program of the Avoiding Drugs as Chemical Restraints Consumer Education Campaign, a partnership of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care and AARP Foundation. Join us as we talk with national experts and advocates about strategies you can use in the pursuit of quality long-term care. In this discussion with Kim Greer of Greer Dementia Training and Lori Smetanka of Consumer Voice, we'll talk about staying connected from a distance with people living with dementia in long-term care facilities during the COVID-19 pandemic, which has resulted in families being unable to visit their loved ones, and for many residents and families, especially some living with dementia, virtual forms of communication have not been successful. Hi, I'm Lori Smetanka. I'm the Executive Director of the National Consumer Voice for Quality Long-Term Care, and welcome to today's episode of Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. So during this COVID-19 pandemic, many family members have been finding it difficult to stay connected to and communicate with their loved ones living in long-term care facilities, particularly for some residents living with dementia. And for those residents, sometimes their communication with others takes different forms. And so that's been part of the reason why people are having trouble connecting. So today we're gonna to be talking about communicating with and staying connected to individuals with dementia living in long-term care. Our special guest is Kim Greer. She's the Managing Director of Greer Dementia Training, a business focused on training and consulting in person-centered dementia care. Kim served as Public Guardianship Coordinator and Livable Community Specialist at the Georgia Division on Aging Services and Assistant Program Director for the Georgia Centenarian Study. She developed and ran programs for the Georgia chapter of the Alzheimer's Association, is a past president of the National Guardianship Association, and was co-chair of the Third World Congress on Guardianship. Kim holds a Bachelor's of Applied Science in Gerontology from the University of Guelph and a Master of Education in Adult Education from the University of Georgia. So welcome, Kim. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. So we're hearing a lot, Kim, from family members and even staff who are looking for strategies for communicating with residents of long-term care facilities who are living with dementia. Um, From the families to stay connected with their loved ones, as you know, they have not been able to go in and see them individually since March, and many are having trouble connecting with them. And even from some of the staff, they're really looking for strategies to best understand residents' needs in order to provide the care and services that um, they require. So let's start by talking uh, about dementia for just a minute. So how does dementia affect a person's ability to communicate with others? It's really interesting. A lot of um, people believe that dementia is just memory loss and it just affects a person's memory, whereas dementia really affects the entire person. And basically, you know, because there's damage occurring in the person's brain and your brain controls everything there is to do with your body, then it would make sense that your communication would be affected as well. And so uh, for people living with dementia, what first starts early on um, when the short-term memory is starting to um, get noticed as well is that um, I start to lose the ability to use my words and I start to lose the ability to understand the words that you're saying to me. And so that's, that affects the communication part of my brain. And so as whatever dementia I have starts to progress and I live longer with it, I start to lose more and more words and I don't understand what you're saying to me. But absolutely for sure, 
as things go on, I really truly understand and can still tap into a person's nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. And just as I'm tuning into your way of talking and how you're talking and how you're using, using your gestures, as a person living with dementia, um, I also start to communicate in different ways. So if I can't use my words as well, I'm going to start relying more on uh, my nonverbal communication in getting my point across. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, a really great point. I, my grandmother um, had dementia at the uh, later years of her life. And I know that um, as she was losing some of her words and her ability to even um make the connection between what words meant and what she thought they meant. Like it actually became a pattern with her so that I would learn that she was substituting words for different meanings. Right. And you kind of learn the person's patterns even and and what they're um, talking about. Um, And then also learn some of their um, physical um, patterns for communication. Absolutely. As a family member, you really, I mean, you know this person and you are around them enough that you know how they communicate and you, you can, you know, they talk about people who have been married for 70 years who finish each other's sentences and things like that. So you get to know the individual and how they communicate. Mm-hmm. And that's really great to be able to tap into knowing that it's changing, but I've been around her enough now that I know when she says this, she really means this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so what are some other ways of figuring out what an individual is trying to communicate? What are some other tools that you can use or strategies Uh, even? Yeah, I think so. A lot with dementia is an easy way to describe it is messages not getting through to where they need to go. So when you think about communication and when you think about if I'm walking into your room in the care facility or wherever at home, um, it's not just the words that I'm going to be saying. It's the how I approach you, how I come up to you, how I get your attention. And it's so it's not just that little bit of communication. It's sort of the total package of what can I do to help this person be successful in understanding me and how can I watch them differently for what they're saying back to me as well. So um, slow down even just walking into a person's room and I know in care, um, care communities, you can get really, really busy, but if you slow down and I'm not talking slow down, you know, to a snail's pace, um, slow down just a little bit so that you don't come flying into somebody's room and that you come in just a little bit slower and calmer because as a person living with dementia, I see a nice calm person walking into my room rather than somebody come rushing in at me and, you know, flings down a few towels and rushes out again. Um, And also slowing down your, um, your own speech. I tend to talk really fast, but when I'm talking with a person with dementia, I'll slow down just a little bit, not a whole lot, but I'll slow down just enough that it can make a difference to helping this person understand what I'm saying. And I, I think that that probably is a strategy that would work not only as you're on site with that person, like going in, you, as you were saying, um, as a caregiver going into their room, but for families who aren't able to communicate with their loved one now, even doing that through either a virtual um, or electronic telephone or video yeah. conference, slow down how you're talking to them so that they have more opportunity to comprehend what you're saying. Absolutely. And um, I was thinking about this as well. Um, there's a 
cordless phone here. And I know a lot of uh, care communities will have cordless phones and things like that. So if I'm trying to get, uh, if my family's trying to get in touch with me and I'm a person living with dementia in the care facility um, and a staff member comes in with a phone and is saying, oh yeah, hang on, she's right in here. So I'll be able to get, uh, hang on. And then I'll be like, Lori, Lori, here, your daughter's on the phone. So all good intentions, great. You finally got the daughter on the phone. You finally got um, the, the person there. But even that approach is enough for me as a person with dementia to be like, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. And I might, you know, sort of shy away from what's happening because I don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so um, with the video calls, with phone calling, um, yeah, if you can slow things down just a little bit and if I can't see you when I'm talking, I may not even know who this voice is, but you can say, hi, Lori, it's your friend, Kim. I'm calling to see how you're doing today. Uh -huh. And so even though you know this person knows you, identify yourself each time. And that might just be enough to be like, oh, I do recognize this voice. Uh -huh. Absolutely. So in terms of, you know, thinking about um, other ways that people even communicate and, and, you know, I'm thinking even for um, some staff to kind of get cues for what a person's trying to say. Um, talk to us a little bit about some of the other ways that people communicate um, if, if they have dementia, if they've lost some of the usage of their words, what are other ways that you can really as a staff person or even as a family member mm -hmm. kind of assess what they're trying to tell you, um, what are some strategies you can use to really understand what that person is trying to get at um, and what their needs are? Yeah, so you really want to try as much as possible to just pay attention and be in the moment and see what's happening. And you're not always going to be able to figure out what the person's trying to say or what the person's trying to do. Um, if a person has lived with dementia for quite some time and they've lost so many of their words, um, but you come into my room and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm upset and I've got, you know, I'm upset because I'm rocking back and forth and I don't look great. That in itself is enough to say, hmm. And if I know this is not your usual way of being, that you're maybe a bit more depressed and a bit more anxious because your family hasn't coming in, anything that's a bit different about you that I'm used to, I'm going to um, absolutely sit up and take notice to. But if I'm sitting there and I'm maybe rocking back and forth and tapping something, you know, you're not going to know exactly what I'm thinking or exactly what I'm saying, but you will be able to think, okay, this is a person who's in a bit of distress. What does anybody say to anybody who's in distress? Are you okay? Good to see you today. Can I help you? Mm -hmm. And if you know, I may not be able to figure out that you need to, um, that you're wanting to um, get up and go for a walk, but in that moment, I'll be able to get your attention, hopefully, and we'll be able to make that connection so we're focusing on each other. And then from there, I can maybe, because I know you, I can sort of say, oh, that's right, she usually goes for a walk because her daughter usually comes in at this time. Perhaps she's not, uh, perhaps that's what she wants to do when she's feeling lonely and isolated, but she can't say it. How she says it is by, you know, looking a little um, disturbed and upset. Mm -hmm. And so um, you have recently released a great new tool three about me, um, which kind of helps you get at um, knowing a person. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I was... Um, 
I was thinking one day, you know, when the pandemic first started and, you know, you were starting to hear things about nursing homes who were down to, um, you know, one third their usual staff and agency staff coming in and families not being able to visit anymore. And so much about caring for a person with dementia is um, a relationship is for me to be able to understand who you are and for you as a person living with dementia to get to know me and feel more comfortable with me. If I can't talk or if I can't use my words in the same way, and if you as a staff member don't have any idea who I am, you just walk in fresh because somebody said you got to come and work here and you know we're really understaffed and you come walking in, how do you make a connection? How do you, because without communication, you can't build a relationship. And so I just, uh, I was thinking, what's a quick and easy way, a snapshot where a person can get to know who this individual is just a little bit, almost immediately. So this three about me thing, uh, I just thought, what's really important? So it has um, three people, three interests, three things that make the person smile, and three foods. It's also got, um, you know, sing me this song, and it also has my work or role in the past. So immediately, I can come in, this may be sitting on your bedside table, and might be up on the wall in a thing, but I can look over and see that Joan is your daughter. I don't know anything about you other than somebody felt Joan was important enough, or Joan filled this out, um, to know that Joan's your daughter. So I can come walking in, and I can say, Mary, and, uh, you know, Mary, Joan says hello. Joan misses you. And already, she may, uh, you know, Mary might be able to say, oh, yes, Joan, I recognize that name, and maybe just smile. Um, if I'm starting to get upset and I don't know what's happening and I'm, uh, you know, you don't know how to engage me, you can look over again. It says, oh, she loves salt and vinegar chips. Great. Mary, come with me. Let's go get some chips. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's just a quick and easy way, or if you're coming in for personal care or you're, you know, in working in my intimate space with the um, song I just put down for my example, You Are My Sunshine, because a lot of people know that song. Mm -hmm. And so as you're, um, you know, maybe moving you over towards the bathroom or moving you a certain way, we can just sort of, you can just sort of maybe sing or hum, You Are My Sunshine. And so it's these things where, I've learned a little kernel of information about who this person is as a person, and I can start relating to you on that level. I think that's so important um, in terms of developing that relationship, but also in terms of anticipating um, what some of their needs might be or what they are trying to communicate to you. If you have a little bit of knowledge about them, not only exactly. about their daily patterns, but about who's mm -hmm. important to them or just knowing right. little things about a person can really help with that communication. Again, absolutely, because so much of dementia care is building a relationship with a person. You can't build a relationship without communicating. Mm -hmm. And communicating is both ways, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that's something that families can um, also do is make sure that the staff know about their loved one um, in terms of helping them. Right. It's, it's, um, you know, it's a very small way of helping families and friends stay engaged. Uh, you may not be able to visit, but you can um, go to, the, it's free, by the way, um, go to my website, which is dementiatraining.ca, and you can download it for free, fill it out, and it, um, it can help a family feel that they are still involved in some way in that if I can fill this thing out and drop it off at my, where my mother lives 
you know, and I suggested also stick it into a, what do you call like a that? Fold, a fold, laminated folder yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, protective sheet cover. And yeah. um, so that way, um, you know, you can say, here's what's important to my mother. I know I can't come and visit her, but this might melt, might help make her feel better. Mm -hmm. and also, if my interests are gardening and baking, as a family member, I can also maybe put together a little gardening kit of um, a little bit of dirt and the, you know some seeds from the dollar store and drop that off as well. So I, as the caregiver, can be like, oh, hey, she likes gardening and the family dropped this stuff off. Maybe I can just bring this out and talk to her about it for a little bit and mm -hmm. you know, build that relationship. Absolutely. I think it's a great tool. Um, I, I know that uh, there are a number of family members that have been contacting us at the Consumer Voice and some who may be listening um, today who have been very concerned and frustrated by their inabil inability to communicate with their loved one yeah. in the long-term care facility. They're, they've, they've said to us, you know, the phone calls and the video conferencing isn't working well, so how can we stay engaged with my mother, with my father, with whomever? So what kind of things can we talk about? Like, why isn't this working for, for them? And, and what are some strategies that we can use to stay engaged? Well, the, um, the technology visits, the online visits, I would say, you know, a lot of dementia care is how do I make this day successful for this person? How do I um, approach them in a way and go through the day with them in a way that helps support what they need to try to understand what's going on. And so if, you know, um, if you think gener generationally who's been involved in technology, not so much necessarily the older adults that we want to get in touch with. So what are some things you can do? Maybe it hasn't been successful because instead of using um, a laptop or a monitor that has a nice big screen where I can get my daughter's face on the entire screen, maybe it's been on just this wee little cell phone and I'm not exactly sure what you're handing me. And meanwhile, I'm in my room with the television on and there's somebody in the hallway. So, you know, think about what can I do to try to make this more successful. So maybe if there's a small dedicated room where all there is in there is, you know, the computer or the laptop or whatever you've got, um, possibly a headset to put on the person living with dementia because that way it'll block out everything else and I will just hear my family member's voice. And it may be that um, something like that can just help me figure out, oh, okay, this is my my daughter here and um, I, I can have a conversation with her. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot what I was going to say next. It'll, I'm sure it'll come to you. And so <laughs> yeah, just jump just in. My notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit this morning as I was looking over some notes for today too. And, you know, certainly, um, you know, part of it is, you know, engaging with your loved one um, and, and how you can continue to communicate with them. But part of it also, you know, maybe is, um, is making sure that they feel supported by you. It's not so much like what you get out of it. It's what mm -hmm. you can give to them in terms of um, making sure that they know that you are still thinking about and trying to connect yeah. with them. And, and there are other ways to do that. I, I remember, again, I'll go back to my grandmother when, you know, the later stages when um, she had dementia and her communication was difficult for her. She had trouble talking on the phone. You know, she was always one who mm -hmm. would talk a lot on the phone, but yeah. it, it turned where I would have to do more of the talking. So, you know, when you're there, don't start, maybe don't start asking questions of the person. Right. 
maybe be prepared to tell stories to them instead of ask questions. That's a really great point because as a person living with dementia, um, you know, if, if you say, what did you have for lunch today? What did you do yesterday? I hope you're keeping busy. What, what activities do they have planned? I might not be able to remember any of that. And because I'm picking up on nonverbal communication, I know you're asking me questions and I know that I'm supposed to respond and it may start to make me feel a bit anxious that here's somebody I'm pretty sure I know who's asking me things and I, I'm not sure I know what's going on and I might just get up and walk away, which is my way of saying, yeah, I'm pretty not sure what's happening, so I'm just gonna go. Um, absolutely, you know, being able to say, be, being able to carry the conversation um, hey, Lori, I'm so happy to see you today. I am looking out at a beautiful blue sunny sky. There's a big white puffy cloud that looks like your cat, Chloe, you know, and sort of just working through a conversation that way uh -huh. um, without peppering a whole bunch of questions and are you okay and do you need anything and what can we bring you? And it might be difficult to sort of hold back on that, but it's something that can possibly help give a very positive interaction for mm -hmm. the two of you. Yeah, I, I think that that's absolutely right. You know, maybe coming prepared with some stories about either what you've done or your family. I, I think sometimes it doesn't even matter what you're saying. It's more a matter that, you know, you're talking to them and hearing their voice and telling them that you're thinking about them and you care about them and you love them. I think maybe those are yeah. you know, the most important things you need to get across to them. And, yeah, exactly. And I think another thing, too, is that it doesn't have to be a half hour conversation. Mm -hmm. um, that might be way too much for me. I know people who hate talking on the phone who aren't living with dementia. So, um, you know, just something like you said, something shorter um, and more to the point, like, hi, it's your daughter, Kim. I really miss you. I am looking so forward to coming to visit you again. Um, you know, I was talking to Sue the other day, the neighbor down this, and so just in some ways, it almost doesn't matter exactly what you say. Um, you know, you can just, I just thought of the word filibuster, but in a kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, just the, I love you, I miss you, I'm looking forward to the time when I can see you again, um, might just be enough that I can remember those, those emotions of that phone call. One of um, uh, one of our colleagues who's um, was not able to see her father, um, who was living in a nursing home on a regular basis, would send um, re just recorded um, clips um, yeah. to the facility and ask the staff to yeah. play them for him. And they were only maybe, you know, ten or fifteen or twenty second long clips, enough just to say, "Good morning. I'm thinking about you today. I hope yes. you have a good day, and I'll call you again later." Like just something simple to, yeah. so that he heard her voice. That's and, and I think that that's a great point. Just hearing the voice and knowing that okay, this voice does sound familiar. I know who this is. I may not know what this person is saying, but I know I know this person. And so there's that connection. That's, uh -huh. that's a lovely idea. I just um, heard another idea as well, is that if you know anybody who crochets, um, you can crochet two little matching hearts in the same color. So you can have like two turquoise hearts and give one to the person living in the care home and say, you know, this heart shows that your daughter's thinking of you and then the daughter can also have her heart as well so maybe during the or you know a little dollar whatever but matching hearts i thought was a great idea so that if i'm talking to my mother Lori, i can be like Lori, look 
I've got my heart. Have you got yours? And it makes me feel close. And I'm thinking of you and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about the, you know, the videos also. Um, and for family members, you know, I think that there is still value um, in having the staff do a video conference with the individual, mm-hmm. even if they're not able to completely communicate back with you for a couple right. reasons. Um, certainly one is so that they can hear your voice mm-hmm. um, and even potentially see your face. But I think it's an opportunity for the families. At, that's It's a way for them to stay engaged in that person's yes. care as well. Yes. So when you're looking at your loved one, really pay attention to what's what they look like when you're um look at how are they groomed and um you know have they lost weight or are they you know what's their demeanor when you're talking to them i think that'll give you real clues as to what their day looks like great point um i was actually going to mention the weight loss because a lot of families when they visit will bring treats and you're not able to bring those treats anymore. And I'm sure for a lot of people, um, that was helping them maintain their body weight. So um, absolutely using that video chat to take a look at, um, yeah, just how the person's looking. And if you do notice something, um, you know, it's, as a family member, I think it's important to focus in on what is the issue that I I think I can help with. So for example, um, if you notice that Lori's not looking great and she looks like she's lost some weight, I'm not going to get in touch with the the nursing staff and say, my mother looks horrible, she's doing badly, how can you not, you know. What I'm gonna say is, um, she looks like she's lost weight. And is there something I can do to help? I used to bring X, can I drop that off? And so, um, you know, using those video chats to sort of keep tabs on how things are going could be helpful that way. Mm -hmm. I think it's also a good way, you know, a a good idea for families to stay in touch with the staff and and ask the staff questions that they're not able to ask their loved one about too. So ask them, how is, how's my mother today? What did she have for breakfast? Who's helping her eat if she needs help with that, you know, kind of, you know, ask about how does she spend her time during Mm -hmm. the day, since we know that so many of them, uh, of the residents um, are having to stay in their rooms right now. Yeah, that's a really good point. The um, um, isolation can cause so many physical and mental um, issues to crop up, and dementia itself to begin with is isolating. And then we've added on top the, um, you know, the wearing the masks. So, oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. The, um, uh, you know, I, I can't leave my room, but if I have dementia, do I understand why I can't leave my room? Maybe, maybe not. And if dementia is isolating to begin with because you don't understand what I'm trying to say to you and I don't understand what you're saying to me, then absolutely um, being able to talk with the staff as well and just say, you know, what's her demeanor like? Is she as happy as she used to be or is she as morose as she used to be, like depending on the personality? Right. Absolutely. Um, You had mentioned the masks. There was uh, something you wanted to talk about related to that. Yeah. um, So back to the communication thing is I am understanding you uh, as my caregiver non-verbally. So I'm looking for everything that's going on, not just with your face, how you hold your body, how you walk into the room, your you know, all that kind of stuff. And I know um, there's masks out there now that you can get. And I just got onto Etsy, which is the uh, craft. I don't mm-hmm. even know how to it. It's just a huge marketplace for people who make things. 
and it's a clear mask and it's um, a firmer sort of plastic. If you wash it with shaving cream, it doesn't fog up as much, hmm. but you can put it on and you can still see, I haven't washed mine with shaving cream, so it's fogging <laughs> up a little bit, but you can still see my smile. So if I walk in and I'm like, hi, Lori, great to see you. You can see that smile. So something like this, um, when families, when you can start going back to visit again, might be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, I also thought of another thing. So a person with dementia might not feel comfortable wearing a mask for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, probably a lot of the reasons why some of us don't like to wear them. But one thing I thought about as well is that um, there's different styles of masks and maybe some would be easier for the person to wear than others. If I am an elegant dresser, which I'm not, but if I were an elegant dresser, I may have a bunch of scarves that I love to wear. And so if you, because um, my mask as a per, you know, my mask doesn't have to be medical grade. So if I, um, if you just sort of, you know, put my scarf across my face like that, maybe that'll be helpful. Mm -hmm. I found this, oh, another one. I found this one because a lot of folks are wearing glasses as well as hearing aids. And so I've got the hearing aids over my ear. I've got the glasses over my ear. Now I've got to try and fit this over my ear. So um, you can make one that is, uh, or buy it, obviously. Um, but this is just from a t-shirt arm. And the way it goes on, it goes around the back of my head and down around my neck. So nothing goes near my ears. So I can still wear my hearing aid, still wear my glasses, and not feel irritated from having these over my ears. And so if I'm not as aware of it bothering me, I might be able to wear it a bit longer. Those are some great tools that are out there. Um, and so um, I know people are interested in where to get some of those. And uh, you said Etsy, E-T-S-Y. E-T-S-Y, yeah. And I just, um, and I mean, I can send you the link if you want, but there were several different types on there. Mm -hmm. And then this one uh, was just an old T-shirt. Just Google um, T-shirt face mask. And there's no sewing involved. You cut off the bottom of the t-shirt. And the other thing too, so when this goes on, it goes on like a necklace. So people with dementia might be very familiar with wearing a necklace as opposed to a mask. So you've got this on, then you put the other part on and you're able to just get it up to the person's face as opposed to coming at them with a mask being like, okay, we've got to put this on your face now. Right. So who knows? Absolutely. I mean, all these things are worth trying. And um, you never know how it's going to work out, but it offers more possibilities. Absolutely. So um, other than some of the things that we've talked about with respect to, um, you know, staying engaged with your family member, um, making, sh letting them know, you know, that you're thinking about them and, um, uh, you know, making them, again, just feel, stay connected with them. Mm -hmm. um, what other strategies um, could people use? Uh, I was thinking, you know, things like sending cards or pictures, for example. Sending cards and pictures are a wonderful idea. Um, you, you know, and having a card where if I love kittens, you know, send me a kitten card. And it doesn't have to say a whole bunch of stuff in it. It can just say, thinking of you, love you, miss you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people, <laughs> at least I still do, love to get mail. Uh, like real mail and um, having a caregiver to be able to come in and say, Oh, look, Joan sent you a card. Let's open it together. 
and have that interaction. Um, definitely things that I, as a person living with dementia, are familiar with. Absolutely. So um, that could be very helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Pictures, drawings, even songs or recordings might be good for them. Yeah, yeah there's also been in the news, the um, you can buy those little bears that also you can record things into oh, yeah. little teddy bears and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just... I know it's really, really, really difficult. I haven't been able to visit my mom for six months now. Um, But it's sort of, you know, what do I know about her that could be really helpful? And she loves to get um, flowers. It just never happens. And so in the middle of all this, I just sent her some flowers. And it was just, it really cheered her up. So think about who is this person? What do they like? And what can I, how can I, get that to them in a way that is okay nowadays. Like if I love my salt and vinegar chips, drop off a bag, you know, mm-hmm. Absolutely. and say, love you, miss you on the bag. Who knows? There are a lot of ways that we can stay connected. I, I do think that, you know, certainly we want to be with our family members mm-hmm. um, and we are really advocating for the time when we can get families and residents back together. That's a primary goal mm-hmm. I think, for all of us. Um, but in the meantime, there are ways that we can continue to stay connected, um, yeah. both, you know, through some of the video options or, or electronic options, as well as old fashioned, just things of thinking of you that you can send to them. Yeah. As well. You know, and it's really tough because none of, um, you know, that doesn't replace my actually being physically there. But it's sort of like, what is the best I can do right now with what's going on? What is the best that this care community can do with what's going on right now? And let's figure out a way to work together so that my family member can still feel as as engaged as we can help them feel. Absolutely. So I think a couple takeaways for me um, from what we've talked about are, you know, find ways, um, knowing your history of the person to engage with them, thinking Mm -hmm. about things that they liked and maybe send them some of those things, um, send them, you know, cards or pictures or um, as you're talking with them, either on the phone or through video chat, um, you know, use the opportunity just to keep it short and sweet and, and yeah. you carry the conversation with them. Absolutely. And, and use the opportunity also to be um, talking with staff. If you, you know, to get information about what their day is like, how they're right. spending their time, um, information about the care that they're right. getting. Because odds are they're having a lot of anxiety as well. I mean, you know, a lot of people are having anxiety and it's sort of, again, what can we do that is the most support, that we can do at this time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are, um, well, a, a number of facilities are, at least here, are starting to um, allow outdoor visits yes. um, in courtyards and things like that. Um, yeah. are, are there even additional strategies that people might be able to use there? I mean, there you are face-to-face with the person. And um, yeah. we, we've had one commenter say um, that the visits are contained to short periods of time and it takes yeah. their, per, their loved one a little bit of time to, you know, remember who they are. And by right. that time, the visit's over. So are there things that they could do to engage with them? Yeah, it depends on how big the space is and how, you know, but a lot, um, what you want to try and do is get to a little space on your own, as few distractions as possible, which again, might be difficult because it's outdoors and you can't control all of that. But if there's a little, if we can go for a walk down this way and get away from all the other folks who are distancing and visiting, and can we sit somewhere where I can look right at you and, you know, maybe even sit in front of you and 
put my hand, oh, no, I guess you're supposed to be six feet away. You have to stay away. So <laughs> I'm sitting there facing you, but trying to focus just on that individual right then and there, getting the, the attention, maybe having some of the, um, the, the foods or the teddy bears or the whatever to be able to hand over, to talk about. Um, sometimes, you know, because I'm relying so much on nonverbal communication, it doesn't necessarily always matter what you're saying to me. The fact that you're there and the fact that we, I feel that closeness, that's huge. I mean, I might not be able to say, oh, look, it's Lori, my daughter. But what I will be able to in my mind be thinking, what a nice person. And I, I think I, I, it's good to see her again. You know, who knows? But that connection, that family connection or that um, sort of emotional connection, I don't, you don't even have to say anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so someone asked, um, it, it, would showing a picture of a loved one in advance of them coming help? Um, maybe to help that connection. It could. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't see why not. Um, you know, my thought is help the person as much as you possibly can to figure yeah. out what's going on. And so if I've got a picture of Lori, I can be like, look, you know, here, Lori's, your daughter Lori's coming to visit or your daughter Lori's on the phone or absolutely as much as you can help um, trigger and um, get my brain cells to, to, to figure out what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that goes back to the importance of knowing the person even and things about them. So right. tell again how to get your um, three about me document. My free three about me. Mm -hmm. uh, it is on dementiatraining.ca. It's on the homepage and you can download one that you can fill out or you can fill it out online and download that as well. And there's also a page of instructions just to help out. If you can't fill it out and make it to the care home, you can ask the people in the care home to download it because they can fill it out on your behalf and maybe you can have a conversation with them as well. Or if they know that person well enough, they can help fill it out too because I'm sure there's tons of staff out there who really have connected with the people they're taking care of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, certainly, you know, with the people that are listed in the, the who, the, the people that yep. you've listed in there, right. send pictures of those people as sure. well. Yeah, exactly. You can send pictures. Um, you know, I just wrote down on here three things that make me smile. Um, sitting by a window, easy. Uh, reading newspapers and doing crosswords. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't care what the newspaper says. I just love having that newspaper in my hands. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, dropping stuff off like that. Absolutely. Um, so um, I just want to um, let folks know that uh, the information that we're talking about today is also going to be available on the Consumer Voices website at www.theconsumervoice.org. We'll have links to Kim's form um, on there, and there are some additional resources for family members about engaging with loved ones and staying connected during this time period. Um, and so you could go there for more information. And if you have concerns about your loved one's care, health, or um, need more information about um, accessing um, your loved one or, or what's going on in your community with respect to the reopening of facilities and visitation, um, contact your long-term care ombudsman for help. There, uh, You can also um, access 
um, and get the information for your long-term care ombudsman at theconsumervoice.org. Um, so Kim, I'd like to thank you for being with us today. It was, was really informative, such great advice. And um, we'll all be downloading your form and Good. making that available. Um, get it out there. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for your time today and for sharing your information. And it was great talking with you. Wonderful talking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good day and have a good day, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us on Pursuing Quality Long-Term Care. Make sure to visit our website, theconsumervoice.org slash pursuingquality, where you can subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and find more information about the campaign. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Thank you.